Hello and welcome to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. This is episode 10 of the most influential podcast to come out of the Saskatchewan business community. On each episode, Paul Martin, business commentator and the chair of Martin Charlton Communications, brings us the stories behind the headlines and explains why each story matters to you. On this episode, we are taking a moment to think about going from nothing to something. That moment of looking at an opportunity that you maybe didn't see was right around the corner, but it takes a visionary, someone to take the first steps. Paul, let's talk pulse crops. Absolutely. It's a, it is a remarkable story, and Saskatchewan's role in this has been nothing short of outstanding. And if you think back uh, to, uh, say, 25 years ago, you go talk to uh, farmers, for example, who were in business two, three decades ago, and you ask them this simple question. When you were a kid growing up on the farm, did you grow lentils? Did you grow chickpeas? And they will smile and say, no, of course not. And in those days, it was, you know, within, say, my lifetime, for example, it was coarse grains, wheat, oats, and barley. Then we got really adventuresome and we started growing this thing called rapeseed, which became canola. And uh, those who were very edgy were growing mustard and uh, maybe canary seed or something like that. But then along came this push worldwide uh, to increase the volume of protein that was available. And clearly it wasn't going to come from animals. It was going to have to come from plants. So plant protein. And, you know, that story is another podcast really about the magnitude of that growth. And don't let me forget, Dan, we do have another one to talk about a Saskatchewan angle on that. That happened maybe 35 years ago or something like that. And uh, I actually had the opportunity to have a front row seat on it, seat on it. But we'll talk about that at another time. I just want to sort of say, here's the byproduct of that. Worldwide, there was a demand for uh, increased volumes of protein, and that was principally driven by the middle class emerging in China, that they had purchasing power and they demanded a better diet. So in that diet, they wanted more protein, which put big pressure on farmers around the world to increase their output. For many, it meant changing their rotation or their mix, and included in those was Saskatchewan farmers. And they started adding uh, legumes and pulse crops to their mix. But just to get an order of magnitude, as you started this off, you said we go from nothing to something. Well, in five years, Saskatchewan went from being basically a non-player in the pulse crop game worldwide to the world's leading exporter of pulse crops in just five years. If you think about the magnitude of that achievement, it's absolutely stunning. I mean, to go from zero to world domination in five years, even Microsoft didn't achieve that. But that's how good Saskatchewan farmers are, that they were able to to make that kind of, today's parlance, pivot, and uh, to be able to respond, A, learn everything you needed to know about that, those new products. You had to learn about production techniques. You had to learn about, you know, how do you fertilize this compared to other crops? What kind of uh, uh, crop protection products do you need? This kind of thing. I mean, it was really quite a remarkable transformation. And I think if there's no other comment from today's uh, podcast that I want to make is drive home this point, that's how good Saskatchewan farmers are. And they're absolutely 
not just world class, they are the class of world class. I mean, they set the standard. And uh, in many ways, they invent the way we do things. And uh, if you think about dry land farming techniques and technology, most of that emerged in Saskatchewan. Uh, and it's now you know, regular practice anywhere in the world. So if you think about world populations growing and just how they've been able, how the world, the planet's been able to feed them in large measure, that comes from the knowledge, ability, and skill set that has emerged from producers in Saskatchewan. Certainly they had a big, big influence on it. And yes, there's the research community and all of that sort of stuff. I don't want to discount that. Universities, research facilities, obviously are, you know, devoting a lot of calories, brain calories to this kind of thing. And they're bringing new ideas forward. But when, I don't want to say the rubber hits the road, how about when the seed hits the furrow? Uh, And it's farmers who are actually making this into reality. They're taking what's on the lab bench and turning it into practicality. And there are none better on the planet in making that happen than Saskatchewan producers. And and it's repeated. And you can go back to what I said at the beginning was we went from coarse grains, wheat, oats, and barley to introducing canola to the world. Now it's like a dominant product. And uh, then you take the next step, which is to go to pulse crops. I don't know what's next, but I don't doubt for a second there's going to be a next. Something will come along, uh, and it will be Saskatchewan producers and farmers who will figure this one out and will, again, set the standard, the gold standard for the world. We're in a really interesting time because not only has this been an upward trend on the producer side, the consumer side, and the consumer awareness has been just monumental as the marketing machine has got behind this. Mintel did research in the UK and they found that 50% of UK consumers are cutting their meat intake and increasing the level of their plant-based proteins and and products that come from them. And when you look at the global market, the global market could make up of of plant-based proteins could make up 7.7% of all of the food market by 2030 with a value, according to Bloomberg Intelligence, of over $162 billion per year. And that's up from $29.2 billion in 2020. So in a decade to add that much value to this. What's the what are the opportunities that come from us feeding into that world market if there is this big economic benefit further down the line with the turning it from a crop into finished items? What What's happening here in, in putting things in cans? Yeah, that's a very good question. And, you know, interestingly, it's been the age-old question. And as, as we talk about just how efficient, effective, and powerful – the production team is in Saskatchewan. Uh, we're so good at it. That's all we focused on. We've never really done the value added processing long time uh, as a business reporter and commentator in this province. Have I covered that story of the frustration and the inability for the province to go from primary production into processing and history has always dictated that you did processing closer to market that it was easier cheaper and more efficient to move raw product and process it closer to uh, where the consumer is because you're 
well, I, I guess it's just more difficult to move the finished product because uh, it's packaged differently and that kind of stuff. You know, that sort of defies logic a little bit if you think about it, but we are beginning to see the first a break in that, uh, that philosophy, I think, and it's around canola crushing. Uh, we've seen this in a string of announcements. I think we're at four right now, major canola crushing operations announced this year, either expansions or, or greenfield new ones. Now, that means when in full production, about three-quarters of Saskatchewan's canola production will be processed here. Well, that's unheard of in our history, I and mean, that's a significant monumental shift in a different direction. Uh, a couple of years ago, Martin Charlton was in uh, China. We were talking with some uh, you know, potential uh, companies over there to work with on the communication side, but also doing some interviews and following some Saskatchewan business people as they worked in the, uh, we're principally in the Shanghai area, but we had an opportunity to meet with a, uh, a food processor over there. It was a Chinese company. It was a family owned company, dad, two boys. And we uh, spent some time with one of the sons, dad was, uh, and the other son were off uh, doing business development somewhere. And he was talking about wanting to establish some kind of processing in Canada. And so, obviously, because we were there, we were talking about you know, the potential for Saskatchewan. But the question I asked was, historically, we don't do that. We do production. We ship off a raw product. Why would you want to reverse that and now start talking about processing in Saskatchewan? And his answer was really quite intriguing to me. It was three points. He said, first, as a somebody in processing, and I have my strongest relationship with end users, with customers, consumers, I want more control of the production chain, which means I have to get closer to the producer. And big production happens in Western Canada, so it's a logical location for me to look. Number two, said, have you noticed how there's some Chinese food you don't like? <laughs> you know, and uh, he said, well, there's some of your stuff we don't like either. And what I want to do is put a chef in Canada to process directly for a Chinese palate. So it would be, the product wouldn't be aimed for here at all. It would be a finished product, <clears throat> excuse me, probably packaged with, you know, all Chinese lettering and that sort of stuff and really destined for an end user over there. That was number two. Number three, I want the Made in Canada label, uh, which has a, a connotation of environmental uh, clean, it's clean, it's pure. Uh, that's the perception that they have about Canada. And uh, he wanted that. So I think those are the kinds of things that we need to be getting our head around. We need to be building on here. And so when we look at how do we get from primary production to the next stage, it might be we need to actually figure out how we partner with some of these players. I mean, look at who stepped into canola crushing. It's all the big ones, all the big players. So they already know this stuff. And uh, maybe, uh, you know, more of us need to do it. If you look on Pulse, uh, AGT, uh, Murad Al-Khatib's company has done much of that same kind of stuff where initially he was just gathering up the, uh, the products, but then managed to partner up and basically merge with the Arbel family's uh, operations in Turkey, which then had a lot of processing and distribution over in Middle East and, you know, India, Pakistan, those uh, regions that are big consumers of lentils and pulse crops. It put the Saskatchewan producer with a direct line right through to the end user. Uh, so maybe we've done more of it in the uh, uh, pulse side, we're a little bit farther ahead in canola. Maybe we just need to figure out how do we get the old stuff that we only were centered around production, how we 
figure out how we get into that. And, and it might involve actually changing the concept of once we have a product here, it can be upgraded. It doesn't have to be the finished product. It doesn't have to go in a rail car in a basic form and be shipped off to be processed. You know, for example, all the mustard in the world really is grown in Saskatchewan. Like 95% of table mustard comes from here. We don't have a processor other than, you know, the little one in Gravelberg. I mean, French's mustards, uh, they come from here. So where is it processed? New York. I mean, go figure. Why does that happen? It's, I think it's partly on us. We've got a lot of very big players here, and we're we're not only feeding the world, we're changing the way the world thinks. And you've got, um, you know, a, a drive in certain sectors towards veganism. There's also the point that plant proteins are being almost celebrated for the fact that uh, organizations such as the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases have revealed that the majority of food allergies are caused by eggs, milk, fish, and red meat. And uh, what there is a very large driver for is, you know, vegan proteins, which are by definition, none of those uh, groups. And therefore, as, as people have, you know, different levels of education as towards allergies or testing or, you know, uh, uh, dietary advice from clinicians, um, you know, the plant-based proteins are certainly feeding into this as, as a tool. But, the, the question I've got for you is when, when we look at players who aren't yet in this market, and we've done very well in growing what's here, and take an Archer Daniels Midland, for example, the biggest, the biggest player on the planet, and then DuPont and Kerry, and I mean, Cargill are obviously here. What do we have to do when it comes to the economic development guys to attract the world's biggest players to come here and actually look at this place and say, Hey, this is where you can make a turnkey uh, solution. And this is where you need to be. Well, I don't think there's a silver bullet in this, not a single thing. I mean, it, it, it starts with, uh, I think a policy decision or a, a community decision, if I can put it that way, that says, a, we're interested in this. We want this to happen. Uh, unless, uh, you get uh, small p political support for it in the sense that a community called the community Saskatchewan uh, is serious about this. Uh, you're never going to get the kinds of needs that you have. But remember, it, it really starts in a, in a couple of a couple of drivers in this. One is what's consumer demand. And you think about how Saskatchewan farmers pivoted to go into pulse crops. It wasn't because they invented that. It was because the market said, we need more proteins, and they responded. So we need to be able to figure out what are the market signals. And if you, as you laid them out, uh, plant-based protein is still going to continue to grow in demand then you need to say, we're going to be the player in that. And then what are the support mechanisms that you need? And, and listen, we have to compete against other jurisdictions and you don't have to go very far, uh, go down to Minnesota or anywhere in the U S really. They're far more aggressive on economic development. They will say, Oh, Dan, you want to build a plant here? We'll give you the land. We'll build you the building. We'll fill your staff. What do you want? Pick one of those three. I mean, we don't think like that. We don't do that kind of stuff. And so, uh, you know, maybe we need to be more aggressive in those kinds of things. Are there advantages for us? Sure. Because we're really good at production, uh, there's a certain merit in being close to where the producers are. Uh, you know, pulse crops, a big thing in the States, not so much. I mean, they're more about soy and corn. 
we have been more responsive. But if we don't do the things you talk about, uh, we will lose that advantage. Others will catch up to us. And so it's there is a bit of uh, being uh, first to the post uh, about early adopters, all of that kind of stuff is get your head around. Do you understand? Do you like look around? Do you see all of these things that are happening that you've caused and you, you know, look past the first uh, first base and look at second, third and home. And what can you do to get around the bases? And so uh, we have historically, our fabric is about production, primary and basic production. We don't have a big, you know, community of people who are processors and and uh, doing the second layer. Maybe we need to create that class of people who are just skilled in that, that area. And maybe that's where it starts. And if we've got uh, a kind of a constituency or a group here that can make that stuff happen, they might just have the juice to, to make it, you know, to build it onto the next level. Do we have that now? Yeah, probably. We have quite a few pretty significant uh, players here who have absolutely outstanding knowledge and uh, maybe we just need to stand behind them a little bit more and give them a little bit more support and juice and make it make it fly but it starts with us deciding as a province first of all are we interested in this and if we are then let's get it then let's get our head around it Paul, it's a fascinating area. It's one which has the opportunity, pardon the pun, but to grow and grow and grow. And I'm sure we will revisit this many, many times. Paul, thank you so much for leading us on episode 10 of Saskatchewan Matters. Not at all. Talk to you next time. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. Do share these insights that power Saskatchewan with your friends and colleagues. Saskatchewan Matters is a proud part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network.